We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. You are indeed listening to The Score, this hour of which is brought to you by Team Hockford. Visit the new website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. Joining us right now on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park, is the baseball writer for USA Today, Bob Nightingale. Bob, thanks for your time this morning. How you doing? Yeah, doing great, man. Hey, Bruce. It's, it's inside hey, the clubhouse. Up, he is Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. Absolutely. We're, we're glad to have you. What are you hearing, Bob, on the latest in terms of when the union may present its counterproposal to the ownership group and what that counterproposal might look like, Bob? Well, it should come down sometime in the next uh, you know, 48, 72 hours. That might guess would be Monday. And the counterproposal will be you know, around 100 games. And they still want, uh, you know, all their salary, you know, that the, uh, the pro-rate salary. So, but what it may do, we'll see if they have deferrals in there to say, uh, okay, you don't have to pay us all now. You can spread some out the next couple of years. That, that's my anticipation. Bob, uh, I'm hearing that uh, the owners are adamant about uh, September the 29th at the latest uh, that the season ends. Uh, they do not want to uh, go deep into uh, the fall and uh, early winter because they're afraid of uh, the return of the pandemic. And also, uh, they don't want to put Fox in the position of having to decide uh, what goes up against their own product, football against baseball. Uh, Does that make sense to you? And with that in mind, is it going to be possible to play 100 games if they stick hard to the end of September, end of the regular season? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. The owners are very fearful of the second wave of the virus, which wipe out postseason, which wipes out a billion dollars in, in TV revenue. You know, I, I imagine for the, uh, you know, the, the TV part, you know, if they want to put games on Fox Sports 1, like they do anyway, up until the World Series, you could always do that. So, you know, I, I think the owners would be willing to bend and say, okay, we'll go one week into November, you know, maybe 10 days deep in November, but no more. And uh, I'm not sure how you get 100 games in, considering this is going to drag on for a, for a couple more weeks. So, no, I, I think, it, you know, 82 is probably the right number. You know, you could squeeze in more games if you want, you know, no off days, a bunch of double hitters. But, hey, we're going to have enough injuries as it is, you know, with these guys having such a short spring training this time around. Is is there a realization within the players' union, Bob? You think that that they will have to bend a little, or or are they going to hold super strong to this notion of getting 100% of the prorated salaries? And and I guess the 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 second part of that is how much of that is Tony Clark trying to portray a strength that might be necessary for him to keep his job with that union. Well, yeah, I mean, is there black and white in the agreement that? 
if there's no fans in stands, if there's uh, restrictions on travel, the uh, commissioner has a right to cancel the season. So they're, they're supposed to negotiate in good faith new salary structure. You know, and that's what they're trying to do. You know, you can argue all you want whether that was, you know, was not a very good proposal that they came up with the first time around. But it was the first proposal, and that was it. Uh, yeah, the players are going to have to bend it at, at some point. Uh, but look, you know, if you get 20% of your salary, I mean 20% decrease from your salary, it's a whole lot better than staying at home and getting zero. Bob, why do you think uh, baseball uh, markets uh, their players so poorly and that uh, they it just doesn't come close to the uh, feel-good that you get with the NBA and NHL about players being marketed? Is it because of the the long season or is it because of the strength of the union and the owners feeling that, you know, if you promote uh, your own players too much, it works against you uh, during arbitration and ultimately in free agency. Yeah. I, mean, I think all those are factors, Bruce, but you know, Hey, the average age of the baseball fan is 57 years old, you know, much, much lower for NBA, NFL, you know, hockey and that sort of thing. But I remember, uh, you know, when I, was, when I was coming to Kansas City Royals, Bo Jackson came up, and we were very close. And when Bo went to football, the reason was not that he had a lot to go back to NFL, but Nike had so much money that they're going to pay him if he went to football compared to baseball. You know, people are in the stores buying baseball spikes. <laughs> they're buying basketball shoes and right. football shoes, you know, things like that. And so it's just those sports, uh, you know, off the field. The endorsements are so much greater. I, I think I saw a thing from Forbes yesterday, and the top 100 paid athletes, there's only one baseball player, just because the money off the field is so great for the other sports and not baseball. Is, is that why you, you think they, they hold out and hold so strong to get as much as they can? Because they know that, that, that beyond baseball, there's just there's not, as much, not as much out there because uh, there, there is this... There is this idea that they have to get every bit that they can, and I understand it, every bit that they can while they're playing, while they're healthy in this small time frame. No, true. But, you know, what the owners like to remind them, and, and the union uh, you know, will say the same thing, is they did get a minimum of $600 million in concessions when they got the service time. If there's not a day played, everybody still moves a year closer to free agency, a year closer to salary arbitration, uh, you know, and in the long run, that's worth billions of dollars uh, over the years, but it's worth six hundred million right away. So I think sometimes that's that's forgotten. You know, I mean that that helps make players a lot more money as well. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, joining Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine. It's inside the clubhouse every Saturday between nine and eleven, fifty-two weeks out of the year. And uh, Bob, uh, you know, sources confirmed to me and few other people I know yesterday that uh, a minor league season of sorts is being planned for November and December if the uh, pandemic doesn't show uh, rear its ugly head again, and that it will be both in Florida and Arizona uh, just to get uh, the minor league players uh, some semblance of uh, player development in uh, in a season where there won't be a minor league season. But you got to do something. I mean, you can do the extended instructional league at that time. Uh, certainly you can do a uh, expand Arizona Fall League. I mean, it's, it's sitting right there. Uh, you know, there's you know, 30 beautiful complexes, or, you know, for teams to use for their spring training sites. But, yeah, I mean, I think some of these teams will have their young uh, 
minor leaguers play as part of that 20-man taxi squad, just not that they're going to bring them up, just to uh, not to impede the development. But, yeah, it'd be a huge setback to all those minor league kids that are uh, coming close knocking the door. And you wonder how some of those guys will react having a full year off. So, yeah, they got to play at, at they got to play games and at least a, uh, some exhibition-type things, you know, before the calendar year's over. Hey, Bob, why do some organizations just look at the minors so differently than others? I mean, the words of Dayton Moore, I think, today or maybe it was late yesterday about the minor league players and and, and, and their importance in helping to grow the game are, are, are beautiful. And, like, there's, there's a sense of, of honoring the importance of the minors, and some owners just don't feel the same way. Why is there such a disparity in the game about that? Yeah, great point. I mean, I think that's why, uh, you know, there's even the owners, and people say, well, open up. These guys should open up books to the players. Why don't they open up books to each other? So, you know, that sort of thing. But, yeah, everybody's got different philosophies and saying, uh, hey, is it worth a million dollars that, you know, that they got the uh, the minor leagues the way they do and not not pay these kids? You know, and, and some are saying, well, we'll pay the kids. They, they turn around and, you know, release 60 players. You're, you know, <laughs> hardly paying anybody. But, yeah, everybody's got different philosophies on this and how they want it to go. But obviously, you know, baseball is looking to cut corners every which way. Uh, yeah, and, and the Royals are a uh, it's a brand new owner too, and I'm sure he was convinced by Dan Moore, hey, you know, please don't cut anybody. It's going to be for the betterment of the franchise. And I think those things will help. You know, in the draft, for instance, on June 10th, you know, you only draft five rounds. I mean, you can sign anybody else that's not drafted for twenty thousand dollars. So if you're a kid trying to decide, hey, what what team I want to sign with. You're going to look at organizations, perhaps, that have treated their players, mainly players, the best during this pandemic. Bob, uh, when you you look at uh, you know a lot of the the blustering going on on both sides, uh, you know you've been around a long time. You wrote a great column on the fact uh, yesterday in USA Today that uh, you know a deal will get uh, done here, but uh, everybody should put on a little bit of their blinders and. Uh, you know, their, their headphones to get through this next week. Uh, do you, you, you assume the uh, next uh, seven days or so, 10 days at the very most, that uh, an agreement has to be made? I don't think it has to be made, Bruce, but I think it will be made. And I'm, you know, that's one trouble here is there's no deadline. But even when the uh, spring training was shut down on the 12th of March, uh, the regular season was supposed to start the 26th. So they waited to the deadline and you got to be all done in two weeks. So there's no deadline here. Negotiations just started on, on Tuesday with the proposal. So, you know, uh, they could start the season they wanted to in, in August, and they could do a tournament in no regular season, you know, in September, October. So, you know, the more it goes on, you know, the fewer games. But I think that's, that is a little bit of a problem, that there's no just drop-dead date where, you know, they, they could start the season in August, and uh, we, still have, we still have baseball. Well, it's an opportunity, really. I mean, when we talk about this weirdness, if you're going to have limited travel and really just play within your division, if you're going to have, you know, some different things, this could be, as long as we get some games in and get a postseason in, this could be a really exciting, really weird year. I, I, I hope that there's some knowledge within the game that that this is a real opportunity to to, to, to show people how cool and adaptable the game can be. Well, certainly, yeah, baseball's chance. You know, I mean, they can turn on the public or, you know, have the public turn off by the, by the product. So, yeah, I know they're planning to mic up players and, you know, do different mm-hmm. things. 
And with a short season, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, every game is uh, I mean twice as much. But and anything can happen in a short season. I mean, last year at the All Star break, the Pittsburgh Pirates of all teams were just a half a game behind the Cardinals. Uh, you know, the Washington Nationals have been dead and buried at, at 19 and 31. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see some flukes make the playoffs. And the fact is, you know, uh, four more teams make the playoffs than normal. So, you know, 14 to 30. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be excited by that. You know, it'll be a sprint. It's not a marathon. Following up on that real quick, Bob, the, sure. the, uh, if you say the four more expanded teams, do you think, you think baseball would like to – get the expanded playoffs in still, and would they be willing to have the regular season end early if they needed to? Well, they don't mind the regular season ending early, but, yeah, the, and the expanded playoffs, they want this to be here to stay. Instead of, you know, sudden death wild card games, have a best of three, you know, maybe, you know, at, at one site. Uh, but I, I want to say that an add, you can have potentially 14 extra postseason games. But, yeah, they definitely want to, uh, you know, expand the playoffs. And they definitely want to uh, realign, too. I think that day is coming. That, that day may be in uh, you know, 2022, you know, the first year after the uh, next collective bargaining agreement. Bob, what are you hearing about uh, you know, the trade market being a possibility or not uh, in 2020? I mean, let's say we start up July 10th, and the normal trade deadline is July the 31st. Uh, are we looking at a year where uh, the economics of the game will pretty much dictate that no trades are made because of the fact that uh, no one's going to gamble trading young players at this time for a, a shortened season that might not mean as much to an organization going forward and uh, that uh, taking on any type of salary would be a non-starter at this point in time because of the economics of the game? Yeah, I, th- I think there would be a trade deadline still, Bruce, probably, uh, you know, one month before the end of the regular season. So in this case, say August 31st uh, would be the regular trade deadline. But you're absolutely right. It, it would crush the uh, in normal trades because now people are reluctant to trade for a guy that's going to be a free agent in two months. You know, now you only get him for one month. Uh, you can't even scout these guys in the minor league kids. Yeah, you saw them, too, you know, when the last played a year ago. You have no idea what they look like now. In, uh, in salaries now, with all the teams going to lose money, hey, you really want to take on someone's big salary? Uh, and I think, you know, Nolan Arnato owns guarantees that he'll be staying in Colorado for the foreseeable future. Because no one's going to touch a contract like that. Uh, but, yeah, I, there will be trades, but I think very, very few and very, you know, very dull trades. What, what do you think free agency's future holds for guys like Mookie Betts, who have been waiting for this coming off season? It's uh... – you know, there might be a readjustment to the American dream for a lot of us, Bob. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think he turned down $325 million to the Red Sox. You know, he had the right to do that, obviously. And, uh, but he won't get that money this free agent uh, period. I mean, people aren't going to just turn around and say, hey, we just lost $100 million. You know, let, me, let me invest $400 million in you. So I, w- I would think he'd be forced to either take a short-term deal, which I don't think he would, but take a long-term deal as long as there's opt-outs in there, early opt-outs, to uh, see if the market's any better in, in a couple of years. Because the market's going to stink for these guys for the first couple of years. Locally, obviously, Bob, uh, the Cubs have uh, would-be free agents after 2021 that are uh, important uh, star players. You know, you have Bryant, you have Rizzo, you have Schwarber, you have Baez. Uh, would you think that both sides will rethink 
what free agency might look like for uh, for these particular players, and there might be a uh, meeting of minds, or do you think there's it's more more divisive because of the fact that we don't know what the economy of baseball is going to look like after the 2021 season and the new CBA? Well, if you're the Cubs, you're probably thinking, you know, it might work out well because all of a sudden that free agent market for, you know, the uh, Baez, the Bryants in the world, you know, won't be as, uh, you know, rich for these guys. So maybe they'll say, you know what, we'll, we'll take a, a more interest in what the Cubs have to, have to offer and trying to uh, see what, what else is out there. And also, you got to remember just you know the trade market because the money those guys would be making, uh, people are going to back away from that. So you know some of those teams that were interested in, in say uh, Bryant or a Schwarber, all of a sudden you know they won't be saying I don't want that kind of salary on my books. So I, I think it's more likely now that those guys you know write it out with the Cubs rather than be traded being traded. You know, I love uh, I love going out and having a drink in a bar when bars are open, when we're allowed to go out and do things. Uh, rest in peace to the California Clipper, which is closing here in town. And I just was reading about Foley's, the legendary bar in New York City, uh, founded by an Irishman who fell in love with baseball, and that became quite the baseball institution. Wanted to ask both you guys if if you've been and had experiences there at, at Foley's in New York City, which just announced yesterday they're not going to survive this pandemic, they won't be reopening. Yeah, absolutely. And the guy that owns that, Sean Clancy, uh, fabulous guy, just, just a, yeah, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your life. And, uh, yeah, scouts went there all the time, uh, executives, uh, some players, the, the writers. It was a new hangout. You know, it used to be at different places over the years in New York. The New York's really sure to hang where to hang out, and he made a place like, "Hey, come here." When uh, I was coming to playoffs, I was with the Washington National Scouts, you know, almost every night, and we'd always be, you know meet at Foley's. Uh, but yeah, just to, you know what the pandemic has done. Uh, yeah, it, it's a shame, but a lot of people went there just because of him, and he made a place. And you would see people, you would see all kinds of people in baseball uh, you haven't seen in months or even years. That, that's a, a good crowd you're hanging with, the, the Washington National Scouts, because some of the greatest characters in the game of baseball ever are scouts for the Washington team. And uh, you can thank Mike Rizzo for uh, picking that out and Phil Rizzo for introducing Mike to most of those guys when he was a little kid. Hey, Bob, uh, we appreciate your time today. Keep up the great work in USA Today. Uh, follow uh, Bob at, at Bob Nightingale and... Uh, Hopefully, we're next time we have you on, we're talking about the regular season. Yeah, my pleasure, Bruce. Thanks, man. Always enjoy it. Thanks, thanks, Bob. Thanks so much. Right. I got to tell you, Bruce, um, that image. You know, when I when I was growing up and being fascinated by baseball and thinking about wanting to get in it, and and even now, once once you're involved, even a little bit. But those kind of places, like Foley's, where it's a mm-hmm. mix of scouts and execs and maybe some players and the writers, and that's where the conversations can happen off the record. I mean, that's that's some of the magic of uh, of, of the aura of baseball is that those kind of places have existed and hopefully will continue to exist. Yeah, you're right, uh, Matt. I, I learned uh, more about baseball there than in dugouts uh, normally, uh, just different watering <laughs> holes and uh the winter meetings at two, three, four in the morning, uh, when uh, people let their hair down, it's just uh, that—that's the beauty of the game of baseball. Is all the people 
that are integral in it and important and have information. I think that's why it's always been the favorite sport of uh, many Americans because of the fact that they can get closer to it by the information that we report to them, uh, you know, where NBA, NHL, NFL, much more difficult process of hmm. uh, access and information out there. Yeah, and, and through the sheer length of the season and the volume mm-hmm. of the access, there's just there's so much more of an in-depth approach. And I know that can get tiring to some people, and some people don't like that, that, that minutia. But for those of us that do, it's like... That's that, that's gold. That is the stuff, and that's the connective tissue that keeps you keeps you attached. We'll take your calls at 312-644-6767. That's also our text number, 312-644-6767. Also, <clears throat> play you some highlights of some of our uh, great shows, interviews uh, during the week as well. Absolutely. And um, one of the baseball execs in town got involved in the All-In Challenge and he, he throws something in at the end that ties into the conversation we were just having. So we've got some time to do all of that and take your phone calls, as Bruce mentioned, at 312-644-6767. It is inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Inside the Clubhouse is one place to get Bruce Levine. Inside the ballpark is uh, lovely for a fan. Um, How about inside the baseball operations suite at Wrigley Field? That's part of Theo Epstein's offer that he made for the all-in challenge. Um, I know you uh, watched and and listened to, what, about three and a half minutes that was posted on the Cubs social media pages um, where, where Theo was challenged by Eddie Vedder and proceeded to detail a pretty amazing weekend that people can bid on for the All-In Challenge. Yeah, it, it includes, uh, you know, a lot of participation when ballparks are open, obviously. Uh, you know, this might be 2021, uh, mm-hmm. where uh, you'd be a guest of uh, him in the front office. Uh, you would also uh, be hanging out. And maybe the most fun part of it would be at the end, Matt, right? Yeah, you know, it was three days, um, three games. You stay at Hotel Zachary across the street. One of the games, you're in real good seats down low. One of the games, you're in the bleachers. Another, you're at a rooftop. But he said for one of the games, you could come up and um, hang out in the baseball operations suite with those guys. And then after a game, they'd go to one of the local watering holes, as we were talking about, with some of the baseball operations people and have a few adult beverages. So to flat out offer that kind of experience and access for people to bid on, that's, uh, that's quite a thing. But the truth is, that's what these people do, right? That's what these people do is they, they have to go out and, and unwind a little bit, like a lot of us, and that's... That's, uh, that's, that's part of the offer from, uh, from Epstein and the All-In Challenge. Pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't know if disguises will be a part of it like normal. I mean, uh, 
I think yeah. disguises for people that are famous these days are are number one. You know, you you have to somehow disguise yourself. Otherwise, social media will bury you no matter what you're doing. Upside of the pandemic, masks make it easier for everybody very, to disguise very themselves. True. Very uh, true. The, the all-in challenge. It went from Vetter to Theo Epstein, and then from Theo Epstein to Sam Kennedy of the Red Sox, and to David Axelrod, political strategist. I don't. And is there anybody else who can go from Vetter to Axelrod? Is anybody else going to be in the in the middle of that Venn diagram, other than Theo, probably? Yeah, you wonder, you know, with the the famous people and the politically potent people that he's friends with, if uh, Theo, after his uh, Cub career, will be uh, going out into the uh, the area of politics. Uh, most people, uh, you know, know how smart Theo is. We know how involved he has been with the Democratic Party over the years, uh, hosting fundraisers for some of the most important uh, Democratic politicians in the country. Uh, from all of that, uh, what, what do you think? you think uh, that's the next move for Theo after Cubdom? Uh, I'd be surprised if it's, if it's not. Um, I, I, unless, you know, I mean, it, as people get older, things change, priorities change, but it, it would make a lot of sense to me. I mean, it's son of a social worker, right? And his, um, his twin brother, Paul, and Paul's wife do some amazing social work related things in Boston still, and Theo very connected, and the work they do with the foundation to be named later. I mean, there's, there's a big calling there in that family to do that kind of work. Yeah, that should be interesting to follow. And, and you know, after the success he's had and the money he's made in baseball, um, is he more importantly just looking for another challenge? So we'll know more about that because he is uh, another big-time free agent for the Chicago Cubs after the 2021 season. So you put Bryant, you put Rizzo, you put Schwarber, you put Baez, and you put Theo Epstein on that same scale of – Will they be with the Chicago Cubs after 2021? What has your gut been about that? That and and is is Jed Hoyer someone who, who who would want to remain and take over at that point? Well, I mean, I, I think Jed is a tremendously competent guy who uh, I'm sure the he would get the the first look, <clears throat> excuse me, by the uh, Ricketts family and uh, the people that make decisions there on who works with them at the top levels. Um, I, um, I don't know if uh, Theo has anything more to prove in baseball. I mean, he's won in the two most difficult places to win that were centuries almost. At least one was a century. The other, what, 86 years before they won a World Series. He was the mastermind for both. Uh, I don't know what type of challenges are left for him in baseball. So from that perspective... <clears throat> I think uh, staying with the Cubs or moving to another team, you know, I, I don't I don't know if that's uh, satisfactory. He's made a, a significant amount of money. I mean, money is not going to be uh, the driving force of it, the next move that he makes. So, uh, from all of that, I, I would I would be I'm with you, Matt. I, I think politics is where he might go because uh, he is so passionate about uh, this country. He's so passionate about his politics that. I think he might be driven in that area. It's 670 the score. It's inside the clubhouse. A texture says Theo for MLB commissioner. <clears throat> you know, it used to be that you'd look around and find somebody who loved the game and find somebody who was really smart and could think about the good of the game for that job. 
Um, that's when they went and plucked Bart Giamatti out of out of Yale to do it. But but these days, that job, like just about all commissioners' jobs, are really an extension of of ownership, and they are the steward for the owners these days. No doubt. I mean, from Bud Selig, once Bud Selig became the commissioner of baseball, that position uh, changed because one thing when when they offered the job to Bud as the commissioner, he said. From now on, we will have 30 people voting yes to anything that we agree on, and we will not proceed forward until we do. So his his uh, only gripe, his only thought of not taking the job when he told the owners, we will have a consensus and we will be 30 strong on anything we vote on, that will be the strength of Major League Baseball. That will be the strength of the big decisions that we have to make going forward. And it forever changed. You're right, Matt. Uh, the, the role of representing just the, uh, you know, the, the good of baseball and the players, that kind of transferred to the Players Association. Uh, that, that's how strong that association is. And the commissioner became the commissioner and the uh, CEO for ownership in Major League Baseball. And it's worked mm-hmm. pretty darn well over the last uh, 30 years. It's a lot to ask of the Players Association, though, to think about the overall health of, of the players and, uh, and the good of the game um, when, when the owners are thinking about the overall health of the owners and the good of the game. This is why we get the ugliness of these moments, perhaps. Yeah, but you have the strongest union in the United States, of uh, the Baseball Players Association, okay? And that's, that strength uh, you know, makes these things more con- content- contentious and more difficult to get done. But it also is the beauty of uh, what a true union is all about, what it represents, and uh, how that, uh, you know, owners for so many decades and uh, years and years and years before the union became uh, became in or came into place were uh, taking, you know, 80, 90 percent of the profits. And uh, that just wasn't the American way that uh, it has evolved into. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you think do you think baseball is going to be able to remain the free market economy that that it is? It's really, of all the other of all the sports of all the major organized sports, it's really the only one that has the the kind of structure that it does, doesn't it? Isn't yeah, it, yeah. I you're right, Matt. I think it's a great point. I I think they're fighting tooth and nail, just like unions in uh, this country are fighting to survive and have have had to make. Tremendous adjustments <clears throat> since um, the uh, air traffickers were taken down by President Reagan back in the late 80s. Uh, the start uh, of the uh, erosion of uh, unions' uh, strengths in the United States. Uh, I think you're you're also looking at uh, that uh, battle going on between ownership right now and players. It it took place uh, and reared its ugly head in 1994 for the first major time and baseball survived, but look at how long it took baseball to get back to where it needed to be after that. It took the uh, Sosa-McGuire battle for home runs to bring uh, total interest back for for baseball fans. So it it is certainly a great question and we will have to watch that evolve, but I like the idea that there's a players union. I like that they have autonomy from major league baseball. I like that there is a fight between them both sides to get things done, even if it is ugly for uh, them and baseball fans. It's uh, you know it's tr- it's the, the true thing about uh, you know what what we 
represent out there as far as uh, freedom of choice? Boy, I, um, I, I should have studied labor law a little bit more. I should have studied um, epidemiology a little bit more. Um, should have studied uh, accounting and, and legal things a little bit more. I, I, I thought we'd be doing so much more baseball this year, Bruce. was so excited about the baseball season on both sides of town. And it's just, it, 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 I think we're going to get it, but it's just going to be, yeah. it's just going to look so different. M- remember well, all the conversation in the winter about like socks on the way up, Cubs trying to hold on, both interesting franchises. What a great time for a, two, a two-city town. I mean, my God, this was supposed to be great. I, I agree with you that uh, the, some of this talk is tedious, but I think as much information as we bring, uh, hopefully on this show, and I know on the score on a daily basis, I think I think it's serving a, a, a real important purpose, even though it is minutia and it's business uh, and medical news at its uh, peak. I think that uh, you know we are informed and we are trying to give you mm-hmm. uh, the, the latest information about where it's at. I think it's I think it's cutting edge here and uh, that's that's what we have to represent whether it's talking about the games being played themselves or the sport itself. Yeah, I, and I I don't think it's minutia. I think it's the necessity of the moment. I just I just wish it was not the necessity of the moment, but I guess that's an opinion shared by a lot of us. You mentioned a lot of the shows, uh, Bruce. Let's hear from some guests when we come back. On the score, we'll hear from a couple guys who were on some of the shows during the week. Lots of, uh, of, of really good guests, some of, the, some of which we'll bring back for you today. And I'll, I want to talk about one that I'll be bringing back tomorrow on Hit and Run as well. So we'll step away, come back for one more segment. Your calls and your texts welcome at the same number, 312-644-6767. That's the new number to text, put it in your phone, and that's how you reach us. And we'll read them right here on Inside the Clubhouse on the score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. <clears throat> it is me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Bruce Levine, right here. Let's hear from a couple people who were on this week, Bruce, uh, on The Score. As Ron Coomer was on the morning show and talked from the player's perspective about how you can't take things quite as personally as uh, as sometimes the temptation is to take them when it comes to negotiations and what the offers are. You can't get insulted by offers when you're in a negotiation. It's not very easy to tell a 25-year-old that because they haven't been through many of them. But as a business person now in my 50s, I've gone through a lot of different negotiations, whether it be baseball or other businesses. And sometimes the initial offer that you get or the initial um, negotiation and numbers that are put down are you look and go, how in the world would they think that? Well, there's always got to be a starting point and that's where they're at. And that's why, that's why you have to be wary of social media and stuff like that. But like, try not to take it personally and just understand it's just businessmen talking with you, other businessmen. Yeah, that was uh, Ron Coomer and uh, Molly and Haw this weekend. Uh, you know, again, um, do fans have a lot of uh, stomach for what's going on here, Matt? You know, probably not. I think they're they're interested. I think they listen to our show because they want to be updated. But I think they're they're pretty much saying what a lot of executives are saying, and that is, 
let us know when you have a deal, and uh, <laughs> then then uh, we'll we'll consider watching baseball again, and uh, we'll be happy that it happens. I know the NBA and NHL are on their way to formulating their playoffs. We haven't even begun to hear anything at all about a baseball schedule. Can you imagine how yeah. difficult that's going to be when you, they're going to have to create a brand new schedule with teams, you know, regionally formatted, uh, American League Central, National League Central, uh, the lion's share, if not all of the games during the regular season will be done regionally. Can you imagine what that's going to be all about? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, you know, what it's going to be for the traveling secretaries to make all of these arrangements right now for the next uh, two and a half, three months uh, where they don't have hotel reservations. They don't have uh, medical staff lined up for these places. They don't have uh, quarantining going on at this time. It's a monumental job. It, it really is. From the people I talk to, uh, it's taking 15 to 20 man hours a day just in preparation for all these happening on the chance uh, that mm-hmm. both sides get uh, a, a, an okay from each other. Unbelievable. And and in the stress of the current moment to be doing that job. That's the thing. That's the thing that I think people don't understand when they when they compare MLB's situation to that of the NBA and the NHL. It's really a perfect crap storm of uh, of, of factors in confluence here for MLB. They, their season hasn't begun. I mean, NBA and NHL, as they're trying to figure it out, they've played, what, 90% of their season, and they might just skip the rest of their regular season and go to a converted playoff in some hub cities or a single-city quarantine model. You've got MLB trying to plan the entirety of an abbreviated season. The logistics are way more challenging for baseball than they are for those other sports. Yeah, and here's another essential part of it, Matt. The NBA and NHL players have been paid the majority of their salaries. Yes. Yes. So that's that's huge. We're not hearing any, you know, I mean, with with the salary cap, uh, you know, the players are paid uh, X amount in uh, the case of the NBA, I think 47 percent of uh, the revenues. And that's it. You know, so there's no there's no fighting over, uh, you know, individual salaries or amounts of money to be divided up. It's it's a simple mathematic procedure. It'll continue on that way with the playoffs when uh, the NHL and the NBA start up. Absolutely. And and in that way, the calendar is, has conspired against baseball in terms of the way the public is going to feel about it, because because NBA and NHL players, not only don't they have to really consider the money, they also have built up this massive hunger to, to culminate the season. I, they want to see if LeBron and Anthony Davis can beat the Bucks in a potential final. They want to see a Lakers-Clippers Western Conference final. They want, to, they want to see those things. And the players themselves have a hunger for that to be resolved. Baseball players and some baseball people, I, I just fear at some point, everybody's like, people are going to say, you know what, boy, this is just more trouble than it's worth. I, I fear I, yeah, I, I understand that, that thought, that'll be there. Matt. Yeah, I, I yeah. really understand that. But I don't think that... Uh, that would be, I, th- I don't think that would, I, I think it would be the beginning of the end for baseball as being as an important sport as it is. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we, we hear about uh, baseball clinging to its popularity as it is and, you know, getting large attendances for 162 game season, not the easiest thing uh, in the world, but baseball built up to 70, uh, 70 million in attendance. Uh, a couple of years ago, and now it's started to dwindle some small percentages over the last two years. 
Um, mm. That's a major concern in itself. And that's why I think you're seeing owners understanding that the peak for their revenues might have been over with and, and that it's going the other way. And that's why you're starting to see uh, the minor, the way they look at the minor leagues, the way they'll look at the CBA after 2021, uh, yes. all of these realities of the, uh, the sport and the revenues. And that's why this conversation about streamlining the minors and and streamlining you know the the volume of people that have been employed by baseball and the draft teams. you know yeah the way they're yeah. looking at the draft so we know it's not ideal but uh you know for them to uh to make the money that they want to make and you know fans don't really care about how their money's split up they know they have to pay a certain amount um mm-hmm. but i mean have, have baseball prices peaked uh, and if owners owners think that, will uh, some of the Major League Baseball teams start to get sold at this peak because they're worth yeah. so much more money than they were? You know, just take the Chicago Cubs as an example, being sold for $865 million back in 2009 and now being worth $3.2 billion, you know, 11 years later. That is, that is a shocking uh, a, a shocking uh, thing that has occurred in Major League Baseball, but owners are looking at the fact that maybe our revenues have peaked and starting to go the other way. Well, yeah, and, and it doesn't take much to look around the world and look at industries and see how so many of them have have been, you know, have had talent redistributed, have had the way that you go about acquiring that talent and acquiring those services be redistributed, the peer-to-peer nature of so many different things. We'll see a redistribution of, of talent. I was thinking about it as Bob Nightingale was talking about, you know, the Chicago Dogs and other independent league teams, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden those teams, like the Long Island Ducks have been at times of the past, like every, every once in a while we've had a story, hey, Rich Hill had to go to the independent league and worked his right. way back, right? Or, or Carlos Zambrano wants it's part... It's part um, publicity stunt and part comeback dreams, those independent league teams might all of a sudden become viable, competitive places for talent to go and try to show that they still deserve a spot in the big leagues. You're 100% correct, Matt. And not only that, but JUCOs, the junior colleges, might have a uh, resurgence now uh, as the uh, player, the very good players getting out of high school uh, might want to uh, delay and uh, stagger their trip to professional baseball because of the fact that uh, the money might not be there quite right now and uh, mm-hmm. they want to they want to continue to be able to play so you're you're a, a million percent right about <laughs> independent ind- independent leagues uh, maybe flourishing and being the new feeder system to uh, major league teams yep. over the next 5 10 or 15 years because uh, players who love baseball they're going to still want to play and they're still going to want to uh, try to have a professional career, and if it's if the only way to do that is through independent leagues, JUCOs, and uh, you know that that area, I, I think you might see them flourish. Let's uh, let's let Ian, Ian Happ have one of the final words on the show, Bruce. He was on with Dan Bernstein earlier in the week. He's been doing a weekly hit with him, I think, on Thursdays. And Ian Happ is trying to look at the positives and want, wants fans to see the positives in the negotiations as they're being publicized. As much as we don't want this to play out in the media, and, and I think, like I said last week, um, the best thing for us to do is, is to send proposals back and forth and and uh, announce it when it's done. But um, 
It's positive. Any any traction on um, the two sides, sending proposals back and forth is positive. And I think that's what um, the fans should take from this is that there's conversations happening um, and, and we're getting closer to a deal. No matter how uh, far off we are on these proposals from either side, um, it, sending them back and forth is getting us closer to a deal. So I think there's nothing nothing but positives coming out of the two sides talking. All right. Nothing so like what ending kind of on a odds? positive note. Yeah, right, man. Yeah, right? I mean, what kind of odds could you have gotten, Bruce, on Ian Happ developing into a calm voice of reason in these uh, unprecedented times? <laughs> I love it. But, I mean, it, it shows uh, it shows his intelligence on the matter and how, uh, how much the uh, education process has taken place in the players' union for players, even young players like Ian Happ. Hey, uh, tomorrow on your show, Hit and Run, what do you got going? I'm really looking forward to it. Jason Hamill, um, who is now uh, a colleague of yours and uh, of mine at times over at the Marquee Sports Network. Jason Hamill will be on tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And Bronson Arroyo, the former Red Sox and Cincinnati Red, always an interesting guy to talk pitching and baseball with. So both those guys on. And I'll replace some of Carlton Fisk, who was on with our guy Ron Coomer and Zach Zabin. Uh, on Monday. That was some amazing stuff. A- after us, it's Rosenblum and Grody right here on the score until 2 o'clock. And then Jake Arietta's no hitter against the Reds is at 2 o'clock right here on the score. After that, Zach Zaidman will be hosting on the station as well. And people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine and on our website at 670thescore.com. Matt, have a great week. You too, Bruce. Thank you to Adam Stadzinski for a great job. Check out the podcast of Inside the Clubhouse. For Bob Nightingale and Paul Kinzer as well. Have a great week, everybody. Rosie and Grody are next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.